Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, hey there, all my fellow Swifties. What's going on? And it's your buddy, Kevin Goatee. We have a super-duper special episode this week. Why? Well, my pal Don Jameson jumps back in the co-host chair. You know how much I love Don. But the proverbial cherry on top, I hate cherries on ice cream. I hate whipped cream on ice cream. Just give me ice cream. Just give me hot fudge, all means. A little Hershey syrup, that's also a good play. But the proverbial cherry on top this week, Dr. Drew from the Dr. Drew podcast and Love Line with Adam Carolla. He's here on the podcast. And boy, he picks a great film for his field, and that is One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Great choice. Before we get to it, please leave that five-star rating, two or three-sentence review on your podcast platform of choice. Wherever you see our social media posts on GTSC Podcast on Twitter, Gutting the Sacred Cow Podcast on TikTok and Instagram, Give us a like. We really appreciate it. Hey, let's jump right in and see if Dr. Drew let the inmates run the asylum with One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Gather round, here's what I know. It's just that this cow has got to go. I know some people kind of like it, yeah. We ride together, we die together, bad boys for life. Don Jameson, guest host. What is that film? Oh, I'm sorry. I was uh, I was still fixing my Zoom connection. <laughs> we ride together, we die together, bad boys for life. What film, Don? Oh man, that's that's definitely uh, Shakespeare in love. <laughs> Doctor Drew is in the hizzy, as he's been known to say on the Adam Carolla show from time to time. Doctor Drew, do you have any idea that quote? What film it is from? Easy Rider. I don't know. That would be Bad Boys Two. Okay, well there you go. <laughs> right up your both of your alleys, right? Kevin Goatee, Don Jameson joining me with Doctor Drew. Wow, this is a treat. Doctor Drew has come on here out of his million podcasts, as well as saving patients' lives every single day. Dr. Drew made a very wise choice in his gutting film. That would be One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Excellent yes. choice. Being the man holds his celebrity rehab for how many seasons was that? Oh, my God. Well, we did like eight different shows, I think. Wow. Yeah. Well, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, 1975, this film came out. A budget at the time of 4.4 million bucks. Mm. A box office overall, $163.3 million. Turned that into 2023 money, $25.1 million budget, $932.1 million gross in today's times. That is a lot of shekels, as your people say, Don Jameson. Yes. That's right. My people I, don't know what it means, but <laughs> well, they call it, they, his people call it a mitzvah. <laughs> what people in Jersey? Yeah. <laughs> IMDb, fellas, as we know, is a scale one through ten with decimal points. Mister Drew Pinsky, what do you think that one flew over the cuckoo's nest scored on the old IMDb? Mm, it's a six point five. Don Jameson. Oh man, I, come, I mean, I, I got to give a lot of credit to Dr. Drew. He's taking on cinematic history here today. Yeah, right, I'm yeah. so excited for this. Um, but it's, I mean, God, it, it's one of the greatest films I think ever made. 
Um, and that's pretty unanimous. So um, I, no, <laughs> not not unanimous. Not not, not complete. Not today. Yeah, Don. Yeah, Don. He's here for a reason, Don. He's not. This is not unanimous. Uh, I'm just I'm just saying for 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 the popular vote or or even the critic vote. No, I think no, no. IMDb. It's IMDb's everything. That's what one, one to ten, right? Yeah. So I think it's higher. I think it's going to be eight point four. Could be. Eight point seven, Don yep. Jameson. Circle gets a square. Let's go to okay. Jim J. Bullock himself. Critics, Rotten Tomatoes score one through one hundred. Don, what do you think the critics gave? One eight over two. Eight point six. Eighty six. How about you, Doctor Drew? What do you? Yeah, think I was thinking like a ninety. Gave? Yeah. Mm. Well, Doctor Drew, you were the closest. Ninety three. Yeah. For the critics. Back to Don Jameson. I'm sorry, back to you, Dr. Drew. What do you think the audience gave One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? And, and gosh, it's interesting because it, that doesn't, well, uh, Rotten Tomatoes is only around for so long, so it's a relatively new audience. So I'm going to say 65. Don Jameson. Yep, going higher again. I'm going, uh, I feel like I'm on the prices right here. I'm getting on a dishwasher, but I'm going to go 66. Sixties, what you one dollaring him? Because he's, he's gonna win. He wins God, that way. God, I know that, but God damn it, you two. Ninety six is the number. This oh, film crazy. is beloved. Is cra- and by the way, Doctor, a lot of these films are retroactively written. So even though you're right, this came out long before Rotten Tomatoes. People have went back and written reviews as early as last week about this film. So a little Jeez. FYI, quotes: Rocky Marciano has forty fights and he's a millionaire. And one of the favorites. Well, I don't want to break up your meeting, but she's something of a cunt. What do you mean by that? She likes a rigged game. Dr. Drew, what quotes jumped out at you from this film? Oh, my goodness. Uh, oh, I always liked uh, whatever ratchet came out of ratchet's mouth. I liked. I can't think of a quote off the top of my head, though. I didn't know I was going to be called upon. I should have written it down. Maybe I did. Maybe you did. I'll stall. Don Jameson, what quotes jumped out at you, buddy? I got a few. I got uh, when McMurphy says, uh, I hope almost 50 years from now, a famous TV doctor doesn't slam our terrific movie. (laughs) I don't know if you guys caught that one. Marcus Uh, Welby, MD, was long before 50 years. I like uh, I like um, I like when Nurse Ratchet said, if two of you stay in here long enough, you'll be in the cast of Taxi someday. (laughs) (laughs) That's in here, too. Who's the second one? Oh, DeVito, right? DeVito, yes. Yeah. yeah. Now, the best one is is McMurphy. In one week, I could put a bug so far up her ass, she don't know whether to shit or wind her wristwatch. Wow. All right. That's all right. There you go. Uh, Dr. Drew, did you find one or not? Nope. Don't have All right. Five fun facts. This I was blown away by despite the milling success of the 1963 stage adaptation of ken kesey's novel starring kirk douglas hollywood legend kirk douglas was dead set on adapting the story for the screen douglas contacted czech director milos foreman about the project promising to send foreman a copy of the book for his perusal douglas mailed foreman the novel but the package was confiscated by czechoslovakian customs and never reached the director unaware of the parcel's fate the filmmaker resented Douglas's broken promise, and Douglas thought Foreman was rude for never bothering to confirm receipt of the novel. It took a decade to sort this mess out, and things were only cleared up when Kirk's son, Michael Douglas, took another crack at production and contacted Foreman once more. Wow, interesting. Why, why were they so sad on Milo's Foreman, do you think? I have no clue. <laughs> he, he was the right guy, I think. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, here he, well, according to some, he was, according to some, and you'll find out in a minute why he wasn't. Number two, when Kirk Douglas spearheaded the first attempt to bring the novel to life on the big screen in the 60s, he had intended R.P. McMurphy to be him played as he did on stage. When the production began in earnest 10 years later, he was too old for the part, leaving director Foreman to consider and contact the likes of. Do you guys want to take a guess on? There are three guys that were considered before Nicholson. Obviously, super A-listers in the 70s. Go ahead, guess away. Uh, Chevy Chase? Yes. No. Burt Reynolds is one. Oh, that's that's interesting that he would have been one. Uh, what, about, what about Michael Douglas? Too old, they said. So he said no. no. Kirk Douglas was too old, which is Oh, amazing. no, no, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 1975, no. Kirk Douglas was already too old? Yeah. <laughs> Give me two more. Any more guesses? Or Hold on. Let's think about this because Burt Reynolds was sort of the – 
this the prankster of the day, right? He just spent all that smoking the bandit stuff, right? And, and who are the what are they? So they were looking for pranksters, not not like sociopaths like they got. Um, who else would have been a prankster? Like De Niro. De Niro, yeah, maybe De Niro. Not De Niro. Pacino. No, I knew you were going to guess that next. Any other guesses? Or go ahead. You're going to shoot yourselves when you when I tell you these two because they're so fucking obvious. When I say them, Gene Hackman. Not obvious to me. Really? Like he was in the seventies. And Marlon Brando. Obvious. Yes, that would have been obvious. A few actresses were considered for the role of Nat Nurse Ratchet. Oh my God. No, I'm not going to try and let you guys guess. Anne Bancroft, Colleen Dewhurst, Geraldine Page, Angela Lansbury, old bedknobs and broomsticks herself, <laughs> were all in the running before Louise Fletcher got the part. Number three, this is what I was talking about before. The intensity varies from rumor to rumor, but the reports were consistent on one fact. Nicholson refused to speak with Foreman for a large chunk of the production process because he took issue with Foreman's suggestion that the hospital inmates would be an unruly bunch upon the arrival of McMurphy. Instead, the actor insisted that such disavowal of the medical staff's authority should only begin after the introduction of McMurphy into their lives and routines. Although the version of the story that we see in the film today is more associated with Nicholson's alleged reading, suggesting that Foreman ultimately took his advice, Nicholson refused to interact with the director from that point forward, and when they needed to communicate with each other, they used cinematographer Bill Butler as a middleman. Hmm. Not to be confused with Dodgers center fielder Brett Butler or Husky comedian of the 80s and 90s. I, clearly, Nicholson's version works better. Clearly. It's, it's, a, it's a natural evolution. Another fun fact, not since 1934, as it happened one night, swept the Oscars. This was the next one to do so. Best picture, best director, best actor, best actress, and best screenplay. The film would have no other film would match this until 16 years later when what film also swept all those categories? 16 years later. Right. Two, so... Meet the meet the Fockers. <laughs> I would have said meet the parents. I would have accepted uh, Don, but so, so we're talking about 1980. This was 74, five, right? five. 75. right? Wow, 91. D two, the Mighty Ducks Part Two is not correct. If you were thinking that, oh damn! What is it? Silence of the Lambs. Ah, Ooh. yeah. Last one. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest was revered worldwide, but Swedish viewers developed an especially a soft spot for the film. This film stayed in the Swedish theaters until the year 1987, 11 mm. years after its initial release. Wow. That's insane. Even yeah, that that's like a Rocky Horror. I was just going to say, not even that shitbox Rocky Horror can have that uh, accolade. <laughs> Fuck that film. Next, let's get the fans on in the action, Drew. And that's where they have okay. questions for me to ask you. That, of course, being Ask a Gutter. At Catherine Cohen, the older I get, the more I identify with Nurse Ratchet. Yes. That's a statement. Yes. At Almighty Ray, Dr. Drew, if you were in a situation where you had to receive medical care, which of these doctors would you trust in your health? Dr. Phil, Dr. Oz, Dr. Demento. I'll hang up and listen for the answer. Dr. Oz. For sure. Dr. Oz, people don't understand. He was the chairman of the Department of Cardiovascular yeah. Surgery at Columbia Presbyterian Hospital for years. Right. It's the highest academic post in the land. Right. And he saved someone having a heart attack on Park Avenue a few years ago. For That's all easy years. going for him. <laughs> That's easy, easy, easy stuff. He did that while smoking a cigarette and some and stuffing Narcan of some of the homeless sure. guys' nose. Sure. Next, at Lord Snurts, let's assume the chief escaped and is starting a new life. Where did he go, and what's his job? Mm. At the center for the Lakers. <laughs> oh yeah, that's great. A great job. I, I have a feeling he could become like a. Uh, it's going to sound bizarre, but a, um, a a prison guard somewhere. <laughs> like, ah. You know, I just imagine him because he's be he'd be considerate of all those folks. He would, but he's he's got the goods to keep people under control. You mean he wouldn't be one of the. Uh, the evil guards in Shawshank no, and helping the no, sisters. No, not evil guard. Good guard, not evil guard. Giving them a, a bucket of suds and mopping the uh, the top of the jail. There you go. The big Nick J. I agree with Dr. Drew. One flu is so overrated. Mm. Right. Another statement. Thank you. 
And uh, Bango2331, yes, I've seen this one. Everyone's giving statements, goddammit. At Rex Crumb for Dr. Drew, you have a chance to create a real-life cuckoo's nest. Which five celebrities do you throw into that loony bin? Uh... You know, I I did it. We called it celebrity rehab. I was just yeah. gonna say, and, we, and um, there are some. You know, uh, there's a look. There's a, a lot of people out there with very interesting psychiatric stuff. Like Britney Spears would be interesting. Uh, Tom Sizemore before he passed away is an amazing human being and really interesting. Um, gosh, who else would we put in there? Mama June. Mama okay. June would be a great one. Yeah. Be very interesting. The reality show participants, man, they got they got a lot of stuff going on. Kanye, uh, Kanye would be. Thank you. They'd be fascinating. They're just so the the celebrities have a higher incidence of significant psychopathology than than average. How about Howard Stern? Howard, I don't think Howard would be that interesting. So, but but. Let's see. But any of the whack packers, any of them, oh. put Bigfoot in there. there uh, you, you get Beetlejuice and Wendy the Retard oh. in there, and that is just Let's just do a whack pack. Motion. Just all <laughs> whack pack. Just Beetlejuice, Bigfoot, uh, Pete, uh, Medicated Pete. That'd be amazing. Can we can we go old school and dust off one that's my all-time favorite? Elegant Elliot Offen. I didn't even know him. Oh my God! Go down, Drew. Go down the YouTube wormhole. Okay. Google Elliot Offen NFL picks. He is an absolute. He runs. He jogs up and down in Manhattan wearing women's clothes and called Robert Quiver's cunt face all the time. Uh, go to again YouTube wormhole. Trust me on that. Ahead of his time. <laughs> that is, looks like what, I don't believe is an actual doctor. <laughs> My buddy ran him at five guys. All he'd sit there was just chew with his mouth open and scratch himself ferociously. I don't think anyone's surprised to hear that. Pete? That was yeah. Pete. Yep. He's he's well, uh Donnie's in Jersey, he's in Long Branch. And he has something called Echolalia. He has Echolalia. He goes, well, he repeats, he repeats of whatever comes out of your mouth. Right, right. Right. Oh, is that like right, Pete? Right. Pete? Goodbye. Yeah. All right, goodbye. That's gonna close. Ask a gutter. Hey, listen, no one listens to podcasts to the very end. Hey, Dr. Drew, where can we find you? It's plugs time. Uh, the main thing is drdrew.com. We have a show called After Dark over at your mom's house. I also have podcasts with Corolla still, those of you that like Loveline. Uh, I have my own podcast as well, Dr. Drew Podcast. And then I'm doing a streaming show Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, 3 o'clock Pacific time, where I've been interviewing all the doctors and epidemiologists who were silenced during the COVID pandemic. And it's very interesting to talk to these people that uh, were sidelined. They've all got something interesting to say. You should have the Pfizer CEO now and, and see what sure. he says. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. Bring him in. Don Jameson, where can we find you besides booting up Narcan in an alleyway somewhere down the Jersey Shore? <laughs> With medicated Pete. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can find me uh, for the rock and rollers out there. Myself, yeah. Trump, Jim Florentine are back. Your favorite misfits from that metal show are now doing a new show live on YouTube every Wednesday called That Rocks, 7 p.m. Eastern time. So go subscribe, YouTube, at That Rocks. I can't wait to see you guys do the Burke Backrack retrospective episode. Let me uh, jump in on that one. Working on it. Guttingthesacredcow.com to find all your merch. Guttingthesacredcow at gmail.com to advertise with us and to say hello. And of course, at Kevin Goatee Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Gutting the Sacred Cow uh, podcast, Instagram, TikTok, and at GTSC podcast on Twitter. Thank you, everybody, for listening to us. And God damn it, leave us that five star rating, two or three sentence review on your podcast platform of choice. Don, let's have Drew walk him right down the old green mile here in this loony bin and gut the sacred cow. All right. So look, uh, I cannot, I watching medical films is one of the most uncomfortable experiences in the world for me because it is, they're never accurate to true life. Just even in television as well. You think about how they portray say ERs. Hey, give me the, give me the electrated ringers. We would all die of heart attacks. The nurses and doctors, if we ran around like that all day, what we do is go, yeah, routine orders on the patient in bed too. I'll be in in a second. That, that that's what we do all day. We, we do things routinely because emergencies are very routine for us. Psychiatric illness and psychiatric environments are no different. They are a certain they're, it's done a certain way. 
not the way Ken Kesey saw it. Ken Kesey wrote a book that people that they made into a film that the American public judged to be a documentary about treatment of mental health disorders in a psychiatric facility. And it was a million miles from the truth. People were glorified for being sociopaths. I mean, Jack Nicholson is a full on sociopath. He's a criminal sociopath and he is our hero. And to me, that was something we did over and over again in the 60s and 70s. We've gotten over that a little bit now. We've gone on to other psychopathologies, but in those eras, the sociopath was the person elevated to the highest status. They were the hero, literally in this case. In fact, there was some, am I remembering correctly that there's allusion to him having had sex with a 15-year-old? Oh, and- he goes into that in a, such a soliloquy that sent shivers up my butthole. Yes, yeah. that is true. Yeah, and that was all cool in the 70s. Do you understand me? Yeah. Cool. That Oof. dude was cool. He was, te- he was flipping off the man, which was really all of our intent at the time. Little did we know that all these sociopaths would become the elite, which they are now. But the facility was a jail. It was not a psychiatric facility. You don't put low-functioning and high-functioning psycho- psychiatric patients together. How about poor Ratchet? Ratchet literally is the one trying to help Nicholson. She's the one that says, no, let's give him a chance. Let's bring him in. Let's keep him longer. Maybe we can reach and help this guy. And what does he do with her? Fuck her. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure she loses her job. And let's talk about race for a second, whether it's indigenous people or the black attendants, the racism and the white supremacy was so profound in this film. It was difficult to watch all the goofy Indian music that they had, they just appropriated. Who knew if that was appropriate to who the chief was? Do you know what, what the, the, the indigenous people experience is a very varied uh, puzzle. Which tribe did he come from? Do we have any idea? And by the way, who's going to no. pull up a marble block and Same. also be able to pull it off of multiple pipes simultaneously and throw it out a window? By the Don way, Jameson on PCP. By, well, by the way, I've <laughs> seen crazy shit on PCP. I've seen people pull sinks out of the wall and stuff. And I've seen manic patients throw something almost like that sink through a window, much like that window, frankly, and then dive through it. (laughs) Uh, So that kind of stuff does happen in psychiatric hospitals. But this idea that you can pull the wool over the psychiatrist and the medical caretaker's eyes is also bullshit. They're just in that that there be voluntary patients in there for reasons that are, why are you there and who's paying for this? And why aren't you getting a job? There were just so many aspects to it that were unrealistic and it was slow. Oh, oh my God, was it slow? Some of those, mm. do, you, do you remember that one situation where Nicholson is, uh, they've got a close up on him. It almost reminded me of when he played the Joker and they put a close up. So he says, what are we going to, what do you think of me this time or something? Yeah, I did. It was the same take. It was the same attitude. It was the same. I loved it because the acting was so brilliant and he, you could almost read his mind as he was talking, but it was about a three minute shot of Nicholson's face. You think that's going to go today? You think you're going to be watching a superhero film where they just zero in on somebody while they're thinking for a little while? The groups were unrealistic. That's not how groups are run. It's so much of it. There's not going to be an attendant that drinks with his just It's fantasy. It's all fantasy. And it was sold as a documentary. And for that, I'm offended. Wow. That was a that was an efficient attack in a sailment. And and, but by the way, cinematically beautiful. (laughs) <laughs> the, Other than uh, that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? The photography was extraordinary. Uh, and uh, but man, uh, and, and I thought the direction was sort of like I, 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 I get it. I get what he was doing and I just wouldn't fly today. Uh, and I wish it had been he'd been more in command of how these things really actually operate. But some of it was realistic. I mean, they, you know, they had some actual patients walking around there very clearly. You could see all the Thorazine shuffle and that kind of thing. The doctor, the, the, the doctor was actually a, the, a doctor as well. That was his hospital. In reality? Yeah, it was. And, that's, and he also got some, like you just said, those are his patients shuffling about in the background. Yeah, that, that, is, that was a BA facility for sort of the criminally insane and that kind of thing for, for people that need to be really contained and really. Oh, the, the shock therapy scenes, um, just to, to disavow people's understanding of what electric convulsive shock therapy is 
In fact, I, I worked at a psychiatric hospital for 30 years where that shock therapy was sort of uh, first, one of the first places to, to use it. And the, one of the old psychiatrists told me they would lie the patient on the ground, they would hold them with four people, and they had the tongs, and they put it on, and they would give them the electricity, and the patient would seize. That went on for a couple of years. Now it is not done that way. It's done under anesthesia. The current is put through the brain. It's extremely effective. Nobody's no drama. Nobody's hurt by it. Psychosurgery, by the way. So they they that's how this ends. The Jack Nicholson character gets psychosurgery. Gets a, what looks like a bilateral frontal lobotomy. Let's be that that was even worse than what they portrayed in the film. In reality, those assholes that did the psychosurgeries would put a pick under the under the eye right here in the orbit and hammer it in with a hammer oh. and then sweep it back and forth. Like a windshield wiper. Yeah. And if the patient, <laughs> if the patient wasn't confused and vomiting, they would repeat it. And so, and then the neurosurgeons were so freaked out about it. They went silent. And these, the, the, the psychiatrists who, who promulgated this procedure won the Nobel prize. It became a standard of care. And if you want to learn one thing from this movie, it is that the standard of care in medicine is frequently wrong. And if anybody in is sort of uses the, the phrase standard of care as an excuse for uh, defending a treatment, the hair should stand up in the back of your neck. Well, that treatment you just described, Dr. Drew, sounds exactly like every time I go, what I go through when I hear Billy Joel's Uptown Girl, that song makes me want a Manchurian candidate to <laughs> fuck out of somebody. That that is a form of a lobotomy. It's true. It's, it's, it's oh, that and Jesse's girl. Oh my God, I'm ready to go full. You know, Kent Tower sniper with those two songs. Holy shit, Drew. Any other points, or is that is that it for you? Again, long as you want to go with this. Uh, you know the the whole fishing expedition. Yeah, that that was where I th thought the movie went off the chain, off the rail. It, <laughs> oh, that it, was it, it. In the sense that. Well, in the sense that I, I, mean, I have no critiques of the behavior of the patients and the environment and all that the way I do when they're in the hospital environment. But that whole fishing thing could have been about three minutes. Right. It, that was stretched into, I mean, it just went way, again, everything was too long, too slow. And I get that the director is trying to give you the sense of the boredom and the, you know, the long days at the hospital. Got it. I got it in the first three minutes. Fishing. Jesus Christ. That was just an excuse for Nicholson to go get some pussy, uh, you know, below deck of while course. they were fishing. They could that, again, you're right. Three minutes is, is the perfect time for that whole you know, yeah, and again, glorified, glorified stealing, glorified prostitute, glorified. This, this is this is cool behavior. I remember those days. Everything was cool. And three minutes uh, is the perfect amount of time for sex. And <laughs> yeah, right. And well, they, you need the illusion to it, or else show it one or the other. Uh, and by the way, uh, if somebody in a psychiatric hospital had behaved like that, you name the first, you know, any of the five or six transgressions by Nicholson. They would have been taken by the police. Eventually, you know, law enforcement does get involved when people break the law, even though they have psychopathology. So, right. so much of it was, uh, I'm sorry, it was not a documentary, ladies and gentlemen. And it and it served to destroy, by the way, is maybe why I'm so upset, the state healthcare system in, in this country. It's why we have homelessness now. You can thank Ken Kesey because that that contributed to the dissolution of the state healthcare system. So patients were cast out of those hospitals to the nursing homes, the prisons, and the streets. None of those places do they belong. So if you want to get to know people who would have been populating those hospitals, you can find them under the freeway here at uh, the 101 in Alvarado. There you go. Is that in the Hollywood stars of Maps home right there that we can check out? I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. <laughs> Drew, give me a score one to ten of your of your thoughts on this film. It was a great film. It was great acting. It it, it uh, it's too slow for the present day, but I understand. You know, back in the '70s, they did lots of that stuff. The inaccuracies and the impact it had make me so furious. You have to try to put that all aside. So I'm going to give it, I'm going to try to stay with the cinema, the film, the cinematic part, which is about an eight. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Wow! For someone who thought this film was overrated, and eight's pretty goddamn high. Well, I'm trying. If you actually my 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 personal rating on it, it's about yeah. a two. Oh well, that's what I'm so asking. Personally, I'm giving, it- I'm giving it a two. But if I'm honest about what it is as a film, and put all my bullshit aside, I, I give it about an eight. So take out the clinical horse shit that you just cited. Yeah, and let's also take out you know the, the editing is a fair remark. How does it still, what's the score then? Again, as you have an unfair advantage as a doctor knowing all this shit and the behind the scenes stuff. Well, mostly, you know what it reminded, I'll tell you what it made me start thinking about is how actors used to be professionals. <laughs> they used to really act. <laughs> you know what I mean? I thought today you can't even, you can't even act as a character who's not representative of who you are. In other words, I can't, act to be a gay person i can't act to be a you know somebody from another culture i'm not allowed to do that so so acting is completely off the off the table these days you have to just be more of sort of who you are and mostly it's in sort of action environments so it's not really acting it's got to kind of running around and when you look at jack nicholson uh doing some of those longer takes and some of the some of the extraordinary acting and christopher lloyd and even devito i thought we had had a there's a certain quality in that character that is so accurate mm-hmm. that um i just started thinking about how back in the day actors started on the stage and and you know yale school of dramatic arts and england and learned a really serious craft and I think that's not if it's not lost, if they still have it, they're not allowed to use it. So it's very weird. It's a weird time. All right. So anyway, so, so you know, putting all my bullshit aside, I, I'm still going to give it because the photography was beautiful, the pacing was intentional, the interpretation was interesting. It had, I had a million criticism for it that in terms of clinical and racism and, and cultural appropriation, but of its time, I see why it was a great film. Got it. So eight, eight. So somewhere eight. between a two and an eight. Should we pick <laughs> yeah. somewhere in the middle there? Give it a six. Give it a six. I was just going to say it sounds about right. Speaking of someone who can be his true gay self, Don Jameson, what do you got for notes, pal? And someone who is also a six, a Jersey six. <laughs> um, Jersey six. I do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, I, obviously I can't, you know, I can't say anything about um, the inaccuracies medically, you know, even though I spent all those years uh, studying with Dr. Oz, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I, uh, I'm no Dr. Fauci, so I, I can't say that, uh, what I saw was accurate or not, but what I will say is, um, I got to dismiss a lot of the things that Dr. Drew said only because Danny DeVito was so goddamn cute in that film <laughs> and so lovable yeah. at any time I was at, uh, that it was too slow or something and it, you, they just took a shot of him and yeah. I, I felt glorious again yeah but yeah. he was yeah he was such a great character but um you know I look take, take I would take away the the stuff about the, the racism and all that because you're looking at the lens of 2023 yep. this movie came out in 1975 right. so to hold true. that against them now d- to me that you know that's not an argument in the 
the current time. Yep. If that movie was made today, totally get that. Um, I also, obviously, I understand all of the inaccuracies medically that you know that Kevin and I don't know. But again, for me, and I don't need to explain Hollywood to you, but you know, part of watching cinema is the feeling that it gives you. It's not that it's so accurate. It's that when you're watching that film, like you start to feel like you're in that, you're crazy with them. And it's that feeling that it gives you, whether it's medically accurate or not, that really makes the film what it is. I, I mean, I really love the beginning where, you, you know, the, the whole thing in the movie is like, you're trying to decide is, is McMurphy crazy or is he just an asshole? You know, <laughs> an asshole and smart and, right. and he's, you know, trying to get out of his prison sentence. Um, and so for whatever the definition of crazy is, but that's, you're spending the whole film trying to decide, Oh, is he one of them or is he faking it? Right. Like even at the beginning, the be opening scene so important because he, he, that scene with the cops where you think he's going to come out and attack them and he kisses them instead. And that really sets up his character so well, like in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, when Gene Wilder walks out and he takes that tumble and then he gets up and he walks fine. That right. lets the, that lets you know, you never know what to expect from this guy, the whole film. And that's exactly what Nicholson did with this character. You had no idea where he was going. Is he the crazy one? Is he, you know, sly as a fox? You didn't know. Um, as far as the 15-year-old thing, he even says in his monologue, she told me she was 18. So I don't think they were trying to make it cool that she was 15. He even says it in his um, in his dialogue there. Yeah, she said she was 18. Um, voluntary um, patients, Drew, you, you must have had those over the years in, in your dealings or people come in and maybe they're not even, they don't even need treatment. They're just lonely. Oh, no. Oh, my God, no. To get into a psychiatric hospital, you you have to meet criteria and there has to be insurance resources that are willing to pay for it. And you have to be very sick to get into a psychiatric hospital, but you don't mix voluntary and involuntary patients. You don't right. do that. That's not something you do because, first of all, it's not fair to the voluntary patients and shit goes down in the involuntary unit always. And it, it's just you can't do that. You just can't mix that up. Got it. Okay. Well, point well taken there. Um, now, Drew, you said something about that this was being sold as a documentary. Uh, I, I don't, I don't ever remember it being sold that way. No, was, no, no, not sold that way. The, the, the American, it was discussed. I was, I was quite around during this and it was, it was discussed as here's what's going on in state hospitals. Right. End of story. Their nurses are like that. The patients are like this, and that's it. We must end the state hospital system because you've just witnessed what is happening as though it were a documentary. Mm. Yeah. All right. And then there's just the last thing, which which addressing the pacing, which, look, I get it. You know, sometimes movies are too slow of a build. Um, but again, you're looking at the lens of what we see in 2023, which yep. is mostly garbage yep. <laughs> and, and way too fast paced. That's true. And, and and nobody plays a character and no character develops. Yep. Uh, I, I agree. So at times it was slow, but I, but again, I think it, it it was appropriate to what was happening in the film. And by the way, did I mention Danny DeVito was so goddamn adorable? <laughs> he was. <laughs> Don, give me a number, buddy. One to ten. Well, I mean, I I would I'd give it a Drew's original. It's not The Shining, but um, I would give it Drew's original rating. Uh, I don't like a lot of movies. I'd give this one an eight. Whoa, okay. Yeah, it it is a good film. See, it's 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 is you can't escape that. the The film is good. The photography is great. The character the acting is unbelievable. The the way he made his the the choices of of the how he shot things, how he shot the the groups, how he shot, you know, th those were all, and think, think even about how, when the, when the doctor was being shot, how tight they were on that guy. These were all very impactful choices. And I, I, I noticed all that and thought it was great, even though I was pissed off the whole time. So I, I, had, a, I, had, I had two heads watching it. It was very uncomfortable. By the way, Eric Clapton gave up heroin because of shock therapy. Just throwing that out there. He did not. Yes. These notes brought to you by guttingthesacredcow.com. Find some cool-ass mugs, shirts, hats, bags, and just come over and say hi at guttingthesacredcow at gmail.com. Notes! 
Wow, I don't remember Nurse Ratchet was attractive. I just remember her, remember her as someone who I would I thought would be like a platinum member on Spirit Airlines. That kind of just morbidly obese battle axe. <laughs> but not I was like, holy shit, she's pretty. Nicholson's wardrobe yeah. looks like he just got the docks in Hoboken. By the way, yep. Nich- yep. Nich- Nicholson hit two out of the four American Indian stereotypes. He forgot the, hey, how are ya? Hey, how are ya? <laughs> he also forgot offering the chief some fire water and then giving him a smallpox riddled blanket. There you go. Lord Jeff did that. Nicholson's character in this film is 38. He looks like a young 38 if he was Russian or Polly from Rocky. Drew, I know as a doc, you have to play it cool when you're in sessions, but when Nicholson is describing a 15-year-old beaver with such passion, even Roman Polanski would be disgusted. When, when yes. was the last time you had to admonish a patient in the group like, hey, asshole, you're a fucking dirtbag. Cut it out. Oh, commonly. But more importantly, I would say I'm a mandated reporter. We're gonna have, I'm going to have to call the state right now. Yeah. I don't care if she's at your 18. There's a there's a current Jeffrey Epstein joke wrapped up in your not so current <laughs> Roman Polanski joke. <laughs> I wanted to go with the time, Don. I had to stay within time frames when I write these uh, jokes. Hey, when they were first stretching out together as a group in that meeting, I couldn't tell if it was a bunch of mental patients or an open mic group of comics. They all look the same. That's true. <laughs> if you think this group of guys are mentally disturbed, talk to any Jets fans who think they're winning the Super Bowl this year now that they have Aaron Rodgers. They mm-hmm. talk about the same way about a 39-year-old quarterback, the same way Nicholson talked about a 15-year-old beaver. Oof. <laughs> be seven and nine at best. <laughs> Finally, a realist. Jesus. Watching Nicholson with the rolled-up cigarettes in his shirt sleeve looks like Don Jameson taking his first date to a bowling alley. Mm, like that. Holy Christ, Dr. Emmett L. Brown from Back to the Future is in this. That makes that makes two teeny tiny co-stars he's had, Danny DeVito and Michael J. Fox. Now all he needs is Kevin Hart and any Italian from Bayonne, and they have a green light film for the best Chippendales remake ever. Do we all know how much of a, of a genius Christopher Lloyd is? He's in, he's amazing. I, yeah, I he's love written him. a lot of stuff. He's he's like a really serious genius. Sidebar: Do you see the Dream Team, Drew? That's another one he's in. That was another kind of a nuthouse film. I did not see that, but I'll, I'll have to go check it out. I think it came out in '89. It's been around, around for a while. Hey, this is the second. Put the put it in the basket. Quote I've heard in a movie. The first one: Put the lotion in the basket. The first one: Hey, Chief, put it in the basket. By the way, the chief, I was expecting him to start doing pull-ups on an upside-down bed like Sarah Connor in Terminator 2. He's quiet and stoic. Yeah. Poor Nicholson can't get enough votes to watch the World Series. You think he's asking everybody, hey, let's watch soccer. (laughs) Hey, I love Premier League. Stop it. No, you don't. Wolverhampton, come on. My buddy from London loves Wolverhampton because he's from the end. He loves it. Big big, big, Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso's fun. Not this I, season, though. This Ted, this Ted Lasso season's really on the dumps, Drew. You know what? I've I watched about two episodes and I stopped. Yeah, I got, I'm gonna I'm gonna muster it out just to finish it up. I'm trying to work my way through Barry, which has been interesting enough that way. I, you know what? I love the first two seasons. The last two have been a little uh, for this me. This latest one is like, I don't understand where they're going, but okay. Uh, Jack Nicholson doing fake play-by-play from a pro Yankee standpoint. He's a huge Yanks fan in real life, guys, from Jersey, by the way, too. He's by far the coolest celebrity for the Yankees, and Billy Crystal is by far the worst celebrity fan for the Yankees. Oh. Oh, stop it. You're going to defend Billy Crystal. Even Mickey Mantle made fun of him, Drew. He said he's the biggest (laughs) dork, which is true. Hijacking a fishing boat is the third to last thing that I would do. Probably head for the airport is the top of my list. What's the first thing that you guys do if you break out of a mental hospital? Uh, taking that bus uh, across the border right don any suggestions and and by the way back to the police not only did he kidnapped a bunch of people right and and in danger oh my god he would be put away for a long time in real life for that behavior back to that question drew how often have you seen patients do a a jailbreak well i told you about the one guy that threw stuff out the window and then dove out um right. that was the main one i've seen you know in locked units you have to give them out outdoor activity a certain amount and those locked units have a big high fences and i have seen people go over the fence also so maybe half a dozen times okay one of the mental patients is vincent Schiavelli. who's that he's the wacky science professor from fast times at bridgemont high uh if you really need more more clarity he's the guy who looks like he always has a cold yeah. mm-hmm 
When Nurse Ratchet was in the meeting with the doctors, I was floored that she was able to convince all the docs to change your mind. I work in medical sales, Drew. It's not that often where nurses change the doctor's mind, a group of doctors' minds with one dissenting opinion. How often do you find that? In psychiatric hospitals, everything is very team-oriented, very okay. collaborative. And now, now, the other thing I didn't scream about is how psychoanalysis had a grip on American psychiatry for the middle part of the 20th century, and it was a catastrophe. Right. Uh, and they would do goofy things. And so some of this was a commentary on that. I laughed at the line, bird dogging chicks and banging beaver. And I thought that's the best lesbian country music group name ever. Agreed. Danny DeVito with hair. Scissor sisters. <laughs> Danny DeVito with hair looks like Robert De Niro without the large chocolate chip on his face. Oh, brutal. It's hard being enough. It's hard enough. It's not. Oh, thanks, buddy. (laughs) It's hard enough being an orderly in a psych hospital, but it's even worse when you have to wear a bow tie as part of your uniform. Yeah. And by the way, punching patients. Yeah. Again, another group of people that would have been put in jail. You punch a patient, you go to jail. That's called, we have a segment of this thing called That Doesn't Happen. And I knew, Drew, you'd be full of those for this film. So, oh, my God. So much. What's the going price to break hookers into a psych ward, Drew? I'm curious. Uh, what's the funniest thing that weirdest slash funniest thing that someone stri- tried sneaking into your facilities? Uh, I probably can't tell you because it kind of you can't divulge anything. But trust me, uh, people keister and uh, internalize a lot of stuff. So Jake, stuff. so Mostly. Jake, Jake Busey brought his dad, oh. Gary Busey, what? No, no, no. It, it's mostly it's mostly <laughs> drug paraphernalia. Oh, drug paraphernalia. Oh, I thought it'd be something. I don't know, like the like the old Bugs Bunny cartoons. They have the file and the cake, or something corny like that, or I don't know, a dildo yeah, again, in a, in a, in a up the, box of roses. Up the cooch or up the keister, and it's not not a Bugs Bunny move. <laughs> <laughs> up the cooch, up the keister. Best emo band that we're not aware of yet, guys. That's another classic. Can you imagine that phone call that someone had to make? Hi, I need two hookers tonight. Oh, can you also have them grab a few bottles of booze? What's the address? You know the mental hospital? Yeah, that's it. No, no, I'm serious. Not a joke. I'm serious. Yes, I have cash. Um, Yeah, the girls are for the orderlies, not for the patients. Yeah, we lock up the inmates. They just press up and hump the glass. They're not going to be anywhere near that. (laughs) I mean, my God, he's conducting a damn near orgy, by the way. And then telling, setting up the, uh, the one orderly, like, dude, these girls are going to come in and fuck you. And the girls had no idea that they were almost being sold in this, in, you know, uh, a contract to fuck yeah. the head orderly. Like, hey, yeah. wait, By what's the my way, opinion of this? Did you catch? He was gr- acting was great. And you catch Brothers. Yeah. Scat Put Man Brothers. Yeah. I was like, oh, my yeah. God. Scat Man Brothers kills this role. Yeah, he, he was. I don't know more, why more has been made of that. He killed it. I caught that too. Go, no, that's not. And I paused. Yeah. And go, yes, it is. Oh, yeah. he was so good. He so nailed it. Nurse Ratchet is one of the most subtle villains ever, but a lot of the times you feel a lot of sympathy for her trying to go through the mental gymnastics of hurting this uh, bag of cats. But that's right. But back in the, when we saw this in ni- the mid 1970s, there was nothing for her. She was right. all evil. Right. That, that was a major historical cultural shift watching it today versus then. Well, now she's a colloquialism. It's like, oh, God damn, here comes Nurse Ratchet. I can't get my opium now or whatever. Right, because you expect somebody harsh and yelling and awful. Right. No, she was she was seething and contained right. and and kind of did some things. A lot of the stuff she did is what you do. What do we, you don't you don't say very much. The sequel to this film could be the chief takes Jack Nicholson a la Weekend at Bernie's as they open an American Indian casino together. Hilarity ensues. There it is. is. I thought this film is fantastic. I haven't seen it forever. You're right, Drew. It does drag. And I definitely am accounting for I knew I said at least I'm going to knock my score down half a point because of all your that doesn't happens. Memorable characters. Don, you nailed it. That Danny DeVito boy, he's just you just want to pinch his cheeks and tussle what's left of his hair and give him a tickle in the belly. The chief was a great was a nice little uh, was a switch up. Everybody Christopher Lloyd. I can I can watch him read the phone book for Christ's sake. He's fantastic. Everybody else. The 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 guy with the cold eye I mentioned some decent humor 
humor sprinkled throughout. You're right, Drew. Cultural appropriation in 2023, really bad. A little, a few cringeworthy moments, that is for sure. But legit, legitimate moments of pathos, a fantastic villain. It flowed pretty well until you pointed out the fishing trip that did take way too long. They could have they could have lopped off a good five to ten minutes of that. Here is one of the AFI top 100 I actually agree with because most of these on the AFI's top 100 list should be kicked off or at least rewatched in the last ten years because a lot of this shit doesn't hold up. I think this this but though this film not that rewatchable. You're like all right, you know, good. Am I gonna watch it again at any time? If it, if I stumble upon it. Is it the remote test, Drew? And that is, if you're able, at any point on cable, you stumble upon it, do you drop the remote? No, you do oh. not. You're like, oh, I'm good. You know, I'm good yeah. for another 10 years. Yeah, yeah. And, and but let's, again, putting in that historical arc, I, I can't get over how great the acting is. And, yes. and acting sort of hit its apogee right around then, and then it just vanished. Yeah, this film is still solid. I like it a lot, very much so. As you mentioned, beautiful cinematography. Characters are fantastic, memorable. Uh, seven out of ten for me. I thought this is solid. There you go. Yeah. Now, go ahead, John. Now, go ahead. No, I'm now I'm seeing over your over your right shoulder there. That's a guy appropriating the bass player from Molly Hatchet's look. Oh yeah. Can you see that? That's oh, uh, that's me right there. I have there, to put it down to seven and a half for that. Yeah. And there's uh, Drew. Drew's the chief. If you can see that, Don, you're uh, you're Devito. <laughs> you see that. <laughs> I, I know my friend. I always want to marry Rhea Perlman. Critics five star reviews. Jack Nicholson's never been better in this superb black comedy about life in an asylum. Who is calling this a comedy, let alone a black comedy? Every vice and virtue is explored with humor and compassion in this masterly film. Altogether, an unforgettable experience. Under yeah. the uh, under the I was going to say all together an unforgettable experience like an airplane. All right. Yeah, I'll go fuck myself under right. the skill under the skillful direction of Milos Forman and with Jack Nicholson in a quote heroic lead Cuckoo's Nest attains its greatest power in the medium of film. Mm. Mm. Well, also, you know, again, back then, you know, I think Drew makes a good point is that's what we thought was what a loony loony right. look like so right. a lot of these critics are just going with that assumption so oh there it was universal it yeah. was universal yep one flew over the cuckoo's nest is a film i admire as much as i mistrust and i mistrust it very much indeed hmm that's interesting critics one star reviews the problem with stripping away the dramatics is, as I see it, that Foreman was not able to replace them with the ingredients of a more truly thoughtful film. I don't know what that means. Do you? It's an empty, yeah, it's an empty criticism. Thought so. Yeah. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest ultimately fails as black humor because it is too real for anyone who wants to think about it not to realize what is causing the laughter. Sick persons are not funny, and McMurphy may be the sickest of them all. Well, that... that that was not a popular way of looking at McMurphy at the time, but right. he's right. Number one. And number two, sick people are always funny. <laughs> they're, they're, they're always funny and it helps them to laugh when they laugh at themselves. And sick people are also dramatic. It, drama is only sick people that behaving sick. That's what's what drama a, what's healthy one, people are not very interesting. No. They're what's the, interesting. what's the one time that you just were in group or something like that drew and someone just said or did something and you just lost your shit and a little pee came out of your pants. I never peed myself, but, but cons, I mean, we just, we, we laugh all the time, all the time. It's oh, very wow. important to the, the more, uh, the darker laughter always happens behind the scenes amongst the staff. That's, that's, that's the part that people don't get to see. Hey, hey, Drew, could, could could someone like the chief actually be able to, to pull that off? What? The the no, the uh, silence thing? No, yeah. no way. Especially when they're watching them long term like that. I, I mean, I don't know back then it, it, it but you you kind of really, you know, about a significant percentage of what you do in mental health is you're trying to figure out what the truth is. And uh, you, you'd you'd sleuth that out one way or another pretty quick. Still a great character, but I—that's something I did think of while I was watching it. Yeah, it's it's interesting, but that that's one of the ones I'm, I'm sort of least critical of because it's sort of a fictional character. So okay, it's a fantasy character that you added in there. All right, maybe you pulled it off. Cuckoo ne Cuckoo's Nest appeals to the audience's worst reflexes. It poses as sort of a liberal's lunatic asylum version of that anti-institutional glorification of criminals, the Dirty Dozen. 
Mm, well, interesting. What makes this a liberal's viewpoint? Please explain I, that I, to that me. I don't know, but the glorification yeah. of sociopathy is what I was seeing there all over yeah. the place. A rigged narrative which feeds an instinct for both clear-eyed anarchy and for gross sentimentality. Nicholson's easy looseness helps to humanize the revolutionary motif, but nothing can redeem this film's eagerness to be a big, quote-unquote, haunting poetic. This has like that review has the same impact as saying that you had a busy day, but all you did was lay around and play video games all day. Right, right. Empty. Am Amazon five star reviews. Some may be angered by this, but I think the movie's better than the book, and the book is good. Did any of you read the book? I have not. Not. I, I like Ken Kesey, but I never read that because I'd seen the movie, and I figured why why bother. It's true, I did electric shock therapy and training, assisting the patient that so he would not fall off the gurney as he was being shocked with metal discs placed around his temples. He was sedated and gel was put on the side of his head. I was close to his face so that I could see his pain. I did not attend any lobotomies like in the film. Mental hospitals are more dangerous to the patients because of crazy therapies. The staff should be locked up. See the film, King of Hearts. Signed, Dr. Phil. Uh, well, he's right about the crazy therapies they've done over the years. A absolutely. Again, like I said, standard of care. When, be careful of standard of care. Jack grew up in the town I was born in. He's the man. Favorite line for the movie is banging beaver and bird dogging chicks. Signed, Dr. Signed Dr. Joyce Brothers. <laughs> Great movie. Saw it when it first came out. We bought a copy because we have moved to the town where the fishing boat scenes took place. We live about yeah. four or five blocks from the harbor. I love when people have to throw that in that... Well, I live in this town. This makes it a fantastic film. Does that mean I'm supposed to buy Artie Lang's Beer League because that was filmed in Jersey? Yes. I'm not. Well, you <laughs> should. It is, it is kind of fun if you've never been around film or anything. Yeah. And you know, when something is made, in you, you, you at least want to watch it. Amazon one-star reviews. I was so miserable watching this movie. I had to watch it for class. If you like really dry movies, then this is for you. But I had to shut it off after I turned it on. If you think this one was dry, try Lawrence of Arabia. That shit is... Oh, boy. Uh, ugh. I appreciate this movie, but it is very, very depressing. So you appreciate it, but you gave it one star. This is why yeah. dumb people should not be allowed to vote. Because a certain tone, you have to make a film one star. I wish yeah. the chief would have suffocated this reviewer with a pillow, too. <laughs> there it is. There DVD. it is. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. DVD came and... It had food or some kind of crusty residue on it and fingerprints all over the DVD. Ew. Like someone had to at least clean it off. This sounds like someone reviewed a DVD copy of Showgirls, not Cuckoo's Nest. Ew. Funnily enough, it was Jack Nicholson's house that Roman Polanski drugged and raped a 13-year-old girl back in 1977. Guess Roman couldn't resist that little red beaver either, huh? Signed, Michael J. Fox. All right. <laughs> and again, he thought she was older. So what? Yeah. I love the film. Unfortunately, my housekeeper did not recognize the package and threw it out. My students and I were all disappointed. Great film. He gave it one star. Mm. Why? Because his housekeeper doesn't have a discerning eye for what's trash and what isn't. And now let's jump under our last topic. And this is a fast one. This is called What's Funnier, Chat GPT or JG? Here are four jokes that I had asked Chat GPT to write about One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Are you ready? Number one, what did the psychiatrist say to the patient who thought he was a chicken in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? I don't know if you're a chicken, but you sure are cuckoo. Ooh. That's Gong. Gong show, but all right. One flew, one flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is like a prison movie, except instead of trying to break out of jail, they're trying to break out of their own minds. No. Why did, the, why did the inmate in One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest refuse to take his medication? Because he didn't want to become a pillowcase. That's clever. That's not bad. That's not yeah. bad. We're almost, getting to Don, we're almost getting to Don Jameson material level here, kids. <laughs> you haven't sunk that low yet. <laughs> what do you call a group of mental patients trying to escape in One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest? The Cuckoo Crew. Nah. Back to zero. Don Jameson, did Dr. Drew gut the sacred cow? Well, if we're just doing it by pure math, he did not. Um, but mm -hmm. I think he made a lot of great points. 
I see where your argument is, and I agree to, to a point. Yes, he got me to drop my score. I knew he would with the medical stuff, but he still gave it a six. It's not exactly, well, he, he called it overrated. I, I'll stand by the gutting. I'll say yes, you'll say no. That's all fine and well. Dr. Drew, it's been an absolute joy to have you. Thank you so much for hanging out with us for an hour. Don Jameson, I love you, and I'll see you in stall three in uh, about 20 minutes in the Vince Lombardi rest stop. <laughs> no, let's do the John Bon Jovi rest after this. Time. <laughs> that's closer. Oh, here. that's Robbie. Thank you for <laughs> <laughs> thank you for inviting me, guys, and uh, making me go through this process because it's kind of interesting. I enjoyed it. Thank yeah. you, so much, Dr. Drew. Oh. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.